Welcome to Diamond Niners Weekly. This is Nick. As always, I'm joined by Kevin. What's up, Niner Nation? Producer Brad. Brad. Hey, hey. Coach Woody. Hey, everybody. And for the first time, we're joined by Director of Player Development, Tyler Simmons. How we doing, guys? Thanks for having me. All right, guys. We've got what we think will be an informative episode lined up for you tonight. We're going to give you an inside look at the player development program that the staff has put in place to help our student athletes maximize their ability. But before we get to that, we would be remiss if we did not take a moment to reflect on the events that occurred one year ago today, April 30th, 2019. Students Reed Parlier and Riley Howe lost their lives in a senseless act of violence on campus, while Drew Pescaro, Emily Haupt, Rami Alma-Ramadan, and Sean DeHart were wounded. Countless others are undoubtedly scarred by the events of last April 30th. To all the families, friends, and loved ones, we say, you are not alone. We remember, we're united. We are Niner Nation. Kevin? Got a uh, rough day to remember. Uh, today brought back a lot of emotions, and uh, just thinking with the families today, uh, uh, those that lost their sons, and, and, and those that are recovering at this time, and uh, um, just prayers with all you guys. It was such a, you know, the the service at the university did was was very nice uh, at at, uh, at at ten after five. Man, I wish that. I mean, there's lots of things I wish we could have been present for. Uh, since all this has happened, but today would have been one of those things. It would have been just so. I think it would have been helpful to have if we could have all been there, you know, and been been in the same place. So many emotions came back. You and I were talking beforehand, and and everything was was just what a day. Um, we, my wife and I, were walking into the haze. We had almost made it to the baseball game when all this went down. Uh, Coach Simmons, you were you were on the field. I mean, it, it, it's it's one of those things you never. It's one of those things that will never happen until it does. Um, but I gotta say, for for in the days that in the in the days and weeks that followed, all the grief, all the but but the the outpouring of support uh, by the community and and the coming together of um, of Niner Nation and the university commit, uh, community was. It, it was it was a, a tragic time and, and it was a special time. Uh, certainly not anything that that I'm likely to forget anytime soon, anytime soon. Um, Coach Woodard, you've been you joined. You, you did not know you were several hours away. You did not know what was in your future quite yet, um, but you've had a chance to kind of see. You saw those events from the outside, and now you're a part of the Niner Nation family. So, what, uh, what, what's, what's your perspective here? Yeah, I mean, as a Charlotte, as a Charlotte native, um, I, I mean, my heart sunk. My heart sunk. Um, we were, we were getting ready to play as well, and, um, you know, a member of our staff just told us, just told us um, what had happened, and you know, all, all of, all of our players and coaches and, you know, all of our hearts sunk. It's just an awful, unthinkable, senseless event that, that occurred. And, um, 
as you mentioned, I had no idea that fast forward a year from now that I would be back in my hometown city and being a part of this, but, um, just witnessing fr- from the outside, just, I, I was witnessing the strength of Niner nation and the, and the queen city, um, amidst all of that was, uh, you know, as a, as a Charlatan, it was, it was uplifting. It was uplifting to see, um, and not surprising from this city because this is, this is one, this is one of, if not the best cities in the country. And, and it's, it is that way because of the people. And I've known that since my family moved here, 1989. So, um, yeah, just, just senseless and, and, and tragic. And, and like you mentioned, my thought, my thoughts, and I know our whole coaching staff when I was at UNC, every the entire UNC systems thoughts and prayers were with all of the friends and families, um, those affected by, you know, the incident of a year ago. Mm. Yeah. And it was really, really, uh, a neat thing to see all the, the different, um, shows of support today, um, from, from the from the local minor league clubs, the Knights, the Cannonballers, um, the different systems. I, I saw tweets, and I'm sure there were tweets from all of them. But I, I remember seeing a tweet from NC State this morning. I, I saw several other campuses as well. So, uh, really, really cool to see the out showing or the outpouring of um, of support. Um, but you know, one of the things about this is, and we've been doing this this whole time with this. Um, with this adversity that we're going through now with, with COVID-19, the coronavirus, whatever you want to call it, is we were bound and determined to, to keep going and to keep going with this show. And that's, that's exactly what we're going to keep doing here, uh, regardless of whether it's, it's the, the, the tragedies that we, we remember today or the adversity that we have, as, a, as a country have been going through. You got to keep going. And that's exactly what we're going to do. Um, so we're going to, we're going to do what we do. Uh, and what we do is talk a little baseball. So we're going to, we're going to switch gears here and get into that. Um, coach Woody, I know you guys are, are in constant communication with, with the administration and with the guys and all the different aspects of what's going on, uh, sure. in college baseball and, and with the team. So yep. what, what update can you bring us? Yeah. Um, thanks. We just, we every we we have uh, weekly weekly Zoom FaceTime meetings with uh, the entire team and coaching staff and support staff. Usually every Thursday is kind of our check-in day, and then every day in between that, it's individual phone calls and texts and that sort of thing. More kind of one-on-one uh, kind of interactions with the staff and players, and then uh, we've also split up the team into five groups of six to where each coach is responsible for six guys uh, in their academic performance. And we may or may not have a dinner on the line for the uh, best GPA. GPA. Oh, uh, I think my, I think, I think my group's doing pretty well. I'd, I'd be willing to say we might be out front on that one. Um, mm. But, you know, trying to, uh, yeah, just be creative and use the technology that we're fortunate to have and be able to utilize to stay in touch with the guys um, are spread out all throughout the country. And Coach Patrick, our strength and conditioning coordinator, is doing a fantastic job of, um, you know, dispersing pitcher and position player programs for the guys. And uh, the guys are relaying to him what they kind of have and don't have from, like, a, from training needs. And he puts stuff together for them. And uh, Brianna Richards, our athletic trainer, she has weekly um, 
if not multiple check-ins, uh, virtual check-ins with check-in. players and their athletic training <laughs> needs. So we're, you know, we're trying to be as creative as possible we can um, during these times and stay connected. So, you know, with that, we kind of just give weekly updates on what is new in the world, new in, new in the UNC Charlotte uh, world and what's the updates with campus and the athletic department you know, coming down from our administration, just so everybody can be in the loop and hit the ground running when it's our time to go. And that's, you know, that's, you know, oh, by the way, before I forget, welcome back, Coach. You've, we, we, we haven't had you the last three weeks and you were missed. Well, I don't know how missed I was. I think there was a lot of podcast than with the with those guys. Well, you know, it's different, right, Kevin? It's different. It went from, it went from G to PG fifteen plus. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Had some earmuff moments, but um, yeah, when you get those guys together, it's always crazy. So uh, yeah. Well, Coach Woody, you have not played an instrument on here yet. I have not. You that, is, that, is, that, that will that should remain the same. I don't. I don't and, foresee and, changing. And you have not threatened to fight anyone. <laughs> well, we got Coach Simmons on today, so <laughs> oh, you're not going to question his toughness, are you? <laughs> We're gonna have a virtual Coach Simmons, and I can have a virtual throwdown here. <laughs> We were we were joking. Uh, somewhere over the last three weeks, we morphed into a variety show. <laughs> it's more entertaining that way. It's probably a good thing. <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't we know did. if all our listeners love baseball as much as we do. <laughs> well, we we did so we did see that uh, Coach Simmons has joined the uh, the biker brigade uh, with you and Coach Bicknell. Um, He's in throughout city. Had some uh, good adventures uh, lately. No, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Got um, I think I got a little under sixteen miles in today. So, but usually I try to go up to twenty. So, but like I said before, man, you see, you see a lot of the city. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. All right, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get into some player development stuff here. Um, first, I want to want to mention one thing before we move on. Uh, a story we've been tracking here uh, over the last uh, handful of weeks has been the uh, the ability for seniors, uh, spring seniors, to get their year of eligibility back. Uh, we we had the the uh, the news that they were going to be allowed to come back, um, and then what we've seen since then that we just want to put out there. Um, is there is a way? Is a way, there is now a way as of like yesterday for uh, for those interested to and, and those who are able to to give to a spring sports senior fund. Uh, we'll get we'll get the link to that out to you afterwards. But to the credit of Mike Hill. And Darren Spees and the entire administration, because uh, not all schools are doing this, by the way, folks. Uh, you, we've seen a number, seen a of, number of whose names you would know, you would know, and who frankly probably have the money say they're not going to bring seniors back. And our our administration has says no. That what's right and what's just is that these 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 men and women get the opportunity to end their careers on their terms. Uh, it's going to cost a little bit of money. So, uh, but 
our administration is making the the commitment, and hopefully, uh, those of us that that follow those spring sports will step up likewise and match their commitment. So we'll get a link out to you, um, probably right after the show, to where you can you can donate to help all spring sports seniors get that extra year of eligibility. So really excited about that. Yeah, no, that's it's you hit the nail on the head with. Mike Hill and, and Darren Spees and Chris Fuller and Reagan Hill, all of their, all of the administrators support, uh, you know, stepping up. And um, for myself, as someone who is, you know, a contributor to my alma mater and now a contributor to the university that I coach for, um, I can't, you know, in, in all my years affiliated of doing both those things, I can't think of a way that would be more fulfilling to impact a student athlete than contributing to this relief fund. I really can't. I mean, this is, I mean, scholarships are right there at the top, right? But, you know, and this is, I mean, this is right there with it. This is, you are, you are directly contributing to providing our, uh, all of our seniors to come back on their scholarship and make up for lost time. You know, these kids, I think Ray Tanner, the athletic director of South Carolina, said it bad. These these kids, you know, you can say what you want about getting them back on the field and back at practice and back in the locker room and back in school, but you know, they're they you don't get this time back. Um, you know, they, they, these are we should be playing FIU today. You know, there, there is there there are memories to be made and and contributing to this fund. Um, I, I could just say this: if you are a, a Diamond Niner fan and you contribute to this fund and and you were present at the senior game at the end of the 2021 season for their last home game, you will feel it. It's good. That's going to be one of the most unforgettable days of my coaching career. I can assure you. Yeah. And, and you know, it'll mean it's going to mean a lot to all those guys. And, you know, they didn't just like the, just like everything else going on right now, you know, nobody asked for this. And, and if there's any, any small way, that, that there can be a little bit of justice in any of this, then that's what we need to do. Yeah. I, I think that's what, I think that's what Mike Hill is doing. So absolutely props and, and all credit to Mike Hill for, for stepping up. And uh, now it's our turn. Now it's our turn to help. Yep. So yeah, was, uh, uh, go ahead, Kevin. I was uh, able to participate in that virtual tailgate they had on Saturday and uh, Mike Hill and, and Will Healy and coach Sanchez came on and spoke a little bit. And uh, Mike Hill brought up the topic. He said uh, it was definitely not a smart business decision, but it was the right thing to do ethically, and uh, we were going to do the right thing and take care of these seniors. And uh, definitely hats off to, to Mike Hill and all, all the uh, administration for, for stepping up for these guys. And uh, like I said, now it's, not, it's our turn to, uh, to step up for them and, and, and make it happen. Yeah, these kids deserve it. So in the spirit of – what our student athletes deserve. Let's talk about a little player development. Um, Tyler, this is, uh, this is your first time on the show. So yeah. for those who don't know Tyler Simmons, we're going to let you introduce yourself. <laughs> tell us, tell, tell us a little bit, of, tell us a little bit about your background, your background in baseball, and then we'll, we'll get into some of what you guys are working on. Okay. Gladly. Um, a lot of people don't know, but baseball is kind of a game I was born and raised in. Um, I had the 
I had the opportunity and I was fortunate enough to play for my dad at Charlotte Christian, who just celebrated his, uh, I think it was his 30th year there this year, actually. So uh, he just got done with his 30th season at Christian. I played for him. My younger brother played for him. So that was, it was a lot of fun growing up to play for your dad. Uh, one of my one of my earliest memories on the baseball field is him getting me out of class in kindergarten and walking me across the street to the baseball field and I was the bat boy. So I grew up as the bat boy in the dugout. And then as I got older, I started traveling with the team and I did all the radar uh, readings behind the plate with the old radar guns. Um, tracked the pitches for him. And then eventually, um, when I started playing for myself, I played middle school, JV. And then um, those last couple of years of varsity, I was able to play for him. And it's, it's something I'll never forget. Um, graduated from Charlotte Christian in 2011. Went on to play at Wingate University, which is a Division II school outside of Charlotte. Um, if, you head towards a, if you head towards the beach, you'll drive right through it. Um, it's a great school. Uh, I was redshirted my freshman year there. Like I said, spent five years there. It was a great experience. Enjoyed it. Made some of my best friends there. Um, after my playing career, um, I was fortunate enough to come to UNC Charlotte as a volunteer assistant. Spent three years as a volunteer assistant at Charlotte. Um, and now I'm blessed to be the director of player development and um, wake up excited to do the job every single day. So that is, uh, that's the short version of how I got to where I'm at today. And Again, it's just I kind of knew from 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 a young age that coaching was kind of where I was going to go, and it was what I wanted to do. Do Do you think? And and I so you've done you've played for your dad, you've played for other for other coaches. Yeah. What mm-hmm. what what was harder? Playing for my dad for sure was definitely harder. No question about it. Ke- Kevin, did you ever play for your dad? Briefly, um, but I'm on the other side of that now, uh, coaching my son. Coaching and, your kids. Um, it's they don't listen to your, their dad. It, <laughs> they, they listen to others, but not their dad. So it's it's tough on this end as well. Coach Woody, did you play for your dad? I did not. No, my uh, my dad fenced in college, so he was a two year letter winner in fencing, uh, and so at an early he he basically taught me how to throw a baseball. And then drove me to tryouts and hadn't said, have at it. <laughs> I, I played for my dad in, in rec ball. Um, every, every year, uh, you know, the, the coach's son always got to pitch, you know, and, and play whatever position he wanted. And so my dad was a coach and I'm like, oh, sweet. I get, I'm going to, I get to do whatever I want to do. Dad, I want to pitch. Son, how do you feel about right field? that's that's how that went down and you know what i at the time i was not happy but you know what i I, looking back on it honestly he was doing me a favor by putting me in the lineup frankly so dad if you're listening you were you were so right but anyway i'll I'll say i'll say this my the the coaching that my dad did was two to the to the games and home from the games which i think most players you know, who ride home to and from the games with their families growing up, that's coaching too. Cause you're talking about the game on the way there. You're talking about the game on mm-hmm. the way home. And, you know, there was times where I wanted to quit baseball and my dad had to, you know, pick me up off the mat. And there was times that I thought I was the man and my dad was like, you're not that good. And so I got, I got plenty of coaching in the, with uh, some, some oldies and beach boys playing on the radio to and from the, to and from the field. 
your dad knows baseball now. He loves it. Guy, he loves it. I mean, I've, I've, I've talked to him enough and, and listened to him in the stands. I mean, he, he knows baseball. <laughs> he, knows, he knows what's going on. He does. He, he, he loves the game. He's, he's in it. Um, he, he pulled, you know, he pulled, however hard he pulled for me, he pulled for my teammates 10 times hard. And I gave up trying to tell him to relax a long time ago. He, he loves seeing my, he always loves seeing other kids and other parents, kids do well. And he's always been that way. It is, it's, it's special. I'm, I'm, I'm lucky to have him. And he fenced in college. He did. He was a fencer. Yep. He was fencer, double major business in Russian. Um, he's, he's kind of the brains in the family. So, um, but he's, uh, he's, he's, he handles a sword. He was on the canoe team actually in high school at, as a uh, Culver prep school. So that's uh, there's actually a YouTube video out there. I'll have to send it to you sometime. Where did he go to college? Uh, he, he went to UNC. That's where he and my mom met. And on the fencing team, Ke- Kevin, have you ever fenced? I have not. I think we need lessons. <laughs> there's a, uh, I actually drove by one. There's a, there's a fencing like Academy, I guess. And um, where's that coach Simmons, that area where coach Bicknell lives. What's that area called? There's like a oh. fencing Academy. Okay. Okay. Over there. Over by, it's over by the Panther. It's over by the Panther stadium. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're getting your dad to teach us how to fence. Yeah. I'm sure he still got it. Uh, hey, I got a better shot at that than I do Russian. Or baseball. Yeah, I think we. I think we all do. Or, dang, Kevin. I mean, you're right, but still, did you have to do that? Uh, I'm cold blooded. Cold blooded. All right, guys. So, all right. Now you've been properly introduced to Tyler's resume and my dad's coaching philosophy, which is to not let me pitch. So you are a holdover. You're part of the previous staff. Um, talk to us about your your transition uh, from from the previous staff into into your new role. Transition, it's uh, it's been pretty easy. Um, coming going from the volunteer assistant to the director of player development, I had some of the similar, I had some similar responsibilities as a volunteer. Um, just being here for three years, I, I kind of earned those responsibilities every year. Um, my first year as a volunteer assistant, I basically threw BP and hit fungos. And then the more you keep showing up, the more you keep doing things, you kind of start earning more responsibilities. So um, by my third year as a volunteer, I had quite a bit of responsibilities. Um, the transition the transition was very easy. Um, I'll forever be thankful to, to Coach Hibbs for giving me the opportunity out of college. I knew nothing about coaching college baseball. Um, basically, how I got the job is I bugged him. I bugged him and Bo long enough for him to finally say, like, yeah, fine, you can come be the volunteer. Um, I talked to a few few young coaches who I knew in the game, and I basically like, hey, how do I get into college coaching? And they're like, find a school you want to be that doesn't have a volunteer assistant and email them a lot, bug them. So that way when your name pops up for a job, you already kind of you're already kind of, you're already a household name. They already know your name, they recognize you. So that's basically how I got the job. I remember after they beat Georgia um, at the night stadium. I emailed the staff and said, hey, big win tonight. Congratulations. Again, if you ever need a volunteer assistant, I would love to help. So 
um, met with Coach Hibbs that summer and Bo, and it was, um, I guess they liked me. They brought me in, so went straight into working camps, and I never left, so here I am today. But the transition's been really easy. Um, again, I've known, I've known all the guys on the staff, either um, known of them. Coach Bicknell played for my dad. I grew up watching Coach Bicknell play. Um, obviously, I've already been coaching with Bo Rob for three years, and then Coach Stott's one of the easiest guys to get along to you'll ever meet. So the transition's been it's been it's been great. You got any comments you want to make about Coach Bick's game? No, no, no. He was a really good player. <laughs> I know that. He's a really good player. <laughs> uh, okay, I tried, Kevin. <laughs> I tried. Yeah. Well. Uh, we mentioned Mike Hill. He, when he first got, got here, he had actually created a position, um, uh, the extra position on staff, and that yep. you're currently in director of player development. Uh, Coach Woody has mm-hmm. shared with us the uh, first call he made to you um, while you were working a camp. Uh, I think, I mean, you had worked at a camp my son had been to that week before prior, and then you were working at another camp yep. uh, that weekend when, when Coach called you. Uh, can you talk us through uh, that phone call and? Um, yeah, your, absolutely. What, it was, uh, so it was it was kind of in the middle. It was in the middle of kind of our three week kind of camp 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 deal. So what we had going on is we had youth camp going on the day and th- during the day Monday through Thursday and then Friday through Sunday we had our team camp, which is a lot of the local teams and organizations coming in and playing on the field. Um, I remember it was a, it was a later game. I think it may have been the last game in the last couple of innings. It was, it was, uh, it was a later evening. Um, got a call from coach Woodard. Um, I was kind of expecting the phone call. I had heard that he was going to call us. Um, had no idea what to expect. I just know I had, I had run into coach Woodard several times on, on the recruiting trail. And I have known of him, obviously him playing at, uh, Myers park right down the road, being a Charlotte guy, all the coaches from Charlotte kind of know who each other are and know of each other. So. Um, it was an easy conversation. It wasn't the first conversation we've ever had, uh, but I was very excited to speak with him. Um, and then that Sunday, that Sunday evening after after our first initial call on Saturday, he called me. He's like, "Hey, I want to meet with you on Monday." So we met at Starbucks. Everybody knows the the staff loves coffee. They love Starbucks. So <laughs> it was only natural for us to start our um, our relationship at Starbucks. Um, he sat down and he told me kind of. Um, that they were going to add a director of player development position. He told me everything about the position. And I knew immediately when I sat down with him, I was going to take the job. I remember I told my wife before I, before I went to meet with him, I, I told her, I said, if Coach Woodard offers me anything, it could be washing his car or, or taking out the trash. I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work. I'm going to stay at Charlotte because it's a place that means a lot to me. So I knew any, to- any opportunity that I had to stay at UNC Charlotte, being in school that, uh, was always high on my list as a high school student just wasn't good enough to play there so being able to coach here now and being on my fourth year at UNC Charlotte is, it's very special for me well in, before we go any further shout out to Celeste Simmons because I, I know she's listening that's that's Tyler's wife so she's yeah she's she's, she's, the, real deal. She, she's she is, the real deal she's the real deal okay she's She's the hard worker in the group. Um, a couple comments coming in off, on social media here. First of all, uh, Carlin McCabe, every week tuning in. Uh, she says the border's still closed, but the internet's coming across the border. So Canada, Canada's tuning in tonight. 
and then some guy named Eddie Hull. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of Eddie. Uh, Love it. Eddie Hull says Coach Simmons was the best volunteer assistant in the country. So a lot of people don't know this. I actually played with Eddie when he was at Winget. Um, Eddie's Eddie's a few years younger than I am, so he was that he was at Winget for I think it was two years, and then he decided to transfer and he went to USC Charlotte. So I actually I spent some time playing and coaching it. And so I know, I know Eddie for, I know, I've known Eddie for a long time and it was cool to play with him and it was cool to come in and, and work with him as well. So thanks for listening, Eddie. We appreciate you. <laughs> all right. You guys want to, all right, let's get into some player development. Um, I want to start, do you want to start out with, uh, let's start with uh, when guys get there in the fall kind of what we're, we're, we're uh, doing what, right when we get out of the gate in the fall, um, kind of prep uh, for a season in the spring. What are you guys uh, utilizing when, uh, when the players get to, uh, to campus in the fall? Um, I know we've gotten a lot of new technology in the last uh, year or so that we've been utilizing. Uh, go through, go, kind of go through the overview of a fall uh, workout um, session with us. Yeah, um, so as soon as – as soon as the guys get on the campus, depending on whether they're pitcher or position player, um, pitchers are going to go through an assessment with P3, and it's a head-to-toe assessment. They're checking flexibility. They're checking range of motion. Um, they're, we're doing high-speed cameras. We're doing the um, – uh, Coach, what are, what's, the, what's the semi? What's the right word for that? Semi-motion capture. Yeah, yeah, we're doing the motion capture with those guys, so – from a pitching standpoint, we're really we're breaking down everything about them, and we're really starting to understand how they move. And then, based off that assessment, and when we get the video back, we can create an individualized plan for each of those guys. Position players, it's the same way. We we put them through a um, head to toe assessment with our training staff and our strength coach. Um, this year, Coach Patrick and Bree put them through a kind of the same thing that P three does: range of range of motion, flexibility. And then we took the data that we had and we were able to create an individualized hitting plan for each of each of our position players as well. Um, when we talk about the player development, you're going to hear the word individualization a lot um, because not every guy is on the same plan. Um, so we may have one guy who's on a bat speed program. We may have one guy who's on a bat speed and a power program. Uh, we may have we may have a pitcher who's on a certain lift segment because his hip flex is on as flexible as the next guy. So not every, when we go to the weight room and we're hitting the cages, not every guy is working on the same thing really ever. And so that's how, that's how we start. And then we'll do that for three, three weeks to a month or, or longer for the, for the position players. It's we, we kind of retest quite a bit and we're always looking at the metrics and we're kind of adjusting on, on how things are working. So we have a guy working on bat speed three, four weeks go by his bat speed metrics are where we want them. Then we'll start tapering. We'll start tailoring his swing towards other ways. Uh, P3 comes back with our pitchers and they take our pitchers to that same exact thing they went through the spring. And then if they worked on their hip flexion and they're, they're better flexible in their hips, then they no longer are doing those same hip flexibility things they were working on before. So everything, it's constantly changing. It's constantly evolving with those guys to keep it 100% individual for each guy. Yeah, just as Tyler's saying, I think I think the things that we're really gearing towards doing is 
assessing each individual player and then, you know, uh, building in hyper individualized programs for them. And then, you know, that's where the technology comes into play is we want to try to utilize as much technology as we possibly can to, I guess the best way to describe it is kind of try to try to go after truth versus tradition. Um, in a simple way of putting it, there's, there's a ton of traditional ways of training in baseball that have worked in, in the past and that sort of thing. But um, any opportunity that we can use technology to sort of take some of the guesswork out, um, you know, or enhance our players development um, and we can, you know, provide them with factual data or factual visuals that they are improving or getting better than that. That's the direction that we're trying to go as a program. And Tyler's incredibly talented at doing, at doing that. And, and we, I, I described to other people in, in, you know, the baseball industry that I, I'm friends with that Tyler's, he's kind of the coach of the coaches by NCAA standards. He's not allowed to kind of technically or tactically coach the players, but he can coach the coaches on, you know, communicating uh, the most modern training methods and, uh, drills and, um, you know, modes of technology that, um, again, we're, we're fortunate this, you know, within our first year to have been able to layer in a fair amount of, so everything from on the pitching side to rap, rap Soto, which, you know, gathers all the data of the pitch flight from the ball, leaving the hand to blast motion sensors that go on all of our hitters bats that measure all the pre-contact to rap Soto that measures, the ball off the bat for all of our hitters uh, in training um, to high-speed cameras that can be utilized with our pitchers with the ball coming off their hand at 960 frames per second to take a look at, you know, are they, you know, are they using, you know, are their grips, you know, proper or the way they want to go. Um, their deliveries, we can use them for our catchers and their receiving. We can use it for our hitters and their swing paths to combine with the data. So um, I'm sure I missed some things, but um, just as Tyler's saying, you're going to hear, you, you, if you're a player in our program, you're going to hear individualized a lot. If you recruit, you're going to hear individualized a lot. Um, you know, we feel like that it, it's so one of the biggest challenges in our game is keeping our players healthy on top of improving them. So, you know, we're big believers that if we can, you know, players are less likely to get hurt if, if we are constantly, you know, trying to, you know, train to their needs and not train them to what traditional baseball says to do with everybody. This is, this is pretty, well, I guess the word, I mean, the word he uses major league. This is, this is pretty major league type stuff. I mean, wouldn't you say, I mean, when, when you listen to, when you listen to Trevor Bauer talk about pitching and about training, this is the kind of stuff he's talking about. Yeah. We don't believe that we should, we should, our, like we don't want our players to wait until they get to the big leagues to train like big leaguers. Like we, we want them to get a big league training experience at Charlotte. That's one of our goals. And, and Tyler and Tyler is a Tyler's, you know, shifting Tyler from more of a director of ops position, which is, you know, more logistical stuff to a director of player development position. Um, you know, it's, it's just further emphasis from our program on that. So Tyler, and I'm, I'm going to ask you this question. This, this is from, this is just coming from my, my novice perspective into your uh, professional perspective. When, when you first started really digging into this stuff, mm -hmm. I mean, when, when we started, <laughs> when we started uh, reading about this, which honestly was after 
Coach Woody was hired, and he started dropping mm-hmm. book titles and 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 articles that he, that he liked and that were influential. We started reading up on this stuff, and and it it's almost like there was a whole. It changes the way you look at baseball completely. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. Uh, how how was that for you as you're moving into this role and you're starting to become exposed to this? What's what's the word you keep using, Coach Woody? The traditional the the, the traditional way of looking at training, the traditional way of looking at baseball, mm-hmm. and and this more this more modern technological perspective. How is your transition into that stuff? I, I mean, you're way deeper in th- than I am, and frankly, it blew my mind. Had, you know, you have, you have to keep an open mind with it. Um, and one of the great things about in, in our office and, co- and we coach Woodard does a great job creating this is we have an open mind to everything. You know, we're going to, we're going to go into everything with an open mind. Um, so really, I, I really bought into that when, when I got the job, because coming, coming into the job, I didn't, I didn't really know anything about technology. I didn't know anything about blast. I didn't know anything about rap Soto. Um, but what I made the conscious decision to go into it with an open mind and dive in head first. Um, anytime I, I've always tried to believe anytime I do anything, I'm going to do it full on. So I knew it's like, Hey, if I'm taking this, I'm, I'm diving in. I'm not sticking my foot in to see if the water is warm enough. I'm, I'm going right in. Um, and I think, and I think our whole staff, you know, really bought into that idea. Like, Hey, we're going to go in this with an open mind. We're going to dive into it and we're going to see what we can get. And, and really, until three months into it, when we started with Blast, we really had no idea what we were doing with it until we had that data where we could look back and see like, okay, hey, this is what this is saying. Or, hey, this is how we're using this. Or, hey, let's adjust how we're doing this. So um, to say the, trans- the transition was easy, but it took a lot of like reading up at home, doing research, sitting in the office and trial and error. Um, I would say that's the biggest thing. It's going to be frustrating at first. Um, I mean, it took it took me and and Eddie Hole actually came over one day with a blast sensor, and me, Eddie, and Bo, we just kind of sat in the cages and we just swung with, it. like, hey, what is what is this type of playing look like, or hey, what is this swing going to give us with these metrics? Um, so it took some playing around with on my own. Um, there was times where it was just me in the cage with the rap soto or with the rap soto and with the blast on the bat, and just trying out different types of swings to see what the metrics looked like, and if I hit the top of the cage, what does this metric look like? Or if I hit it straight in the ground, what does this look like? So um, it was, it was a lot of fun to kind of dive into it. That's for sure. So you went from there and you went from there to uh, actually giving a presentation at the ABCA uh, on the blast push and rap soto. So you uh, made mm-hmm. some quick progress. Like um, talk about that with us a little bit. The guy, the guys at rap soto and blast are awesome. They, um, I've uh, gotten in touch with Gary Russo, who is, uh, he's um, one of the regional salesmen for Rapsodo, I mean, for Blast, excuse me. And um, I've got his, cell, he's given me his cell phone number. So any questions I ever have, Raps, or Blast is one phone call away. Same with Rapsodo. Those guys are great to work with. They helped me set it up. And then um, Austin at P3 as well helped me a lot with the Rapsodo. Um, I remember calling him several times trying to get our, trying to get our system set up. Um, so it took a lot of leaning on other people for me to get to kind of the point where I understand it. Even today, um, I took the, uh, the driveline course, um, got my certification through driveline. Even while I'm taking that course, they had an entire section on blast and I still learned new things about blast in that section. 
same with Rapsodo as well. So um, I get comfortable with it, but then I challenge myself, like, hey, there's still more to learn about Blast. There's still more to learn about Rapsodo. Um, and Doc B as well. Doc B has been a huge part of this whole learning experience for me. I know we've talked about him several times, but he, he does an outstanding job getting there and, and talking like he would talk through me through things about Blast and Rapsodo that I didn't understand. And he would help kind of put it in layman's terms for me. Um, and then I, that helps me talk to our, talk to Bo Rob or, or whoever else our coaching staff, like, Hey, this is what these numbers are meaning. Or if one of our players come like, Hey coach, so like this says this, what does this mean? I can put it to them in a way that they're going to understand and not even not confuse them even more. I, you know, I, I'm glad you brought, uh, brought Doc B up. Um, I, I have it on reliable authority, which may or may not be his wife, that, that he really loves it when we drop Benny references on here, and especially if we throw in the Batcave, which is his Twitter account. Yeah. Um, so he loves those references. So I'm glad you brought it up because, well, if it makes yeah. Doc B happy, then, then we want to do that, right? So Doc B's a stud. He, he's a stud. He showed me. Well, I, it was crazy. It was uh, this was in the in the preseason. Um, you see, you see Doc B walking around, and and he's carrying an iPad, mm-hmm. and and he's getting data yep. off of all these sensors in real time. Yep. I mean, he can if depending on he, new guy comes to the plate, he could just go touch screen, select that guy, bring him up, mm-hmm. and you know he can he can tell you the difference between that's the swing you just saw and the one before that. And he's just yep. breaking it down right there. It's crazy. I mean, in yep. real time, Anytime, that data streaming to his iPad. Yep. Anytime our guys take a game like swing, they have a, they have a blast sensor on their bat. Um, anytime they're hitting off the machine in our cages, the Rapsodo units on, um, and we've got TVs in there and they can see it. Um, our guys know that they can see as much or as little of the data as they want. We're not constantly throwing the data in their face or throwing the numbers in their face, but they know the the iPad's on. Hey, coach, I'm feeling this. What do you think? And I can look at the iPad and we can talk through with what they're feeling based off their numbers. Or um, Doc can see something on the iPad and come up to me and goes, hey, um, such and such a swing is off today. And we can look at that and we can kind of go through, maybe get some early work in or some, some, um, some work in before the game in between BP and the start of the game to try to get the feel where he needs it to be for that day. Um, it's a blast and wraps are they're, they're great tools. I, if anyone, if anyone ever asked me what tools to get first, it would be those. So you made this, this presentation at the, at the conference. Um, what would you, what would you say the reception to what you're doing is, is like out there? among your fellow coaches or are you finding really good are you finding some skeptics some skeptics or maybe the skeptics wouldn't even come to your session but but you know what what kind of feedback are you getting out there you know i got really good feedback after after the um after the presentation at the rap soto um stand there at the convention again with, with everything you do um anything that's kind of forward thinking or pushing the envelope there's always going to be skeptics um, there's always going to be people that say hey that's not right but um, you just kind of have to focus on what you think is right and just keep on moving in the direction that we think is, is the best for our players. And that's kind of the direction that we keep moving forward. But the overall perception was really good. I had a lot of good, great questions. Um, and the, the biggest thing is people just, they have questions. They don't know where to go or they're too, 
they don't they don't know who to answer and they're they're afraid to to ask the question on social media or whatever. So it was good. I talked with several coaches afterwards and a lot of them were high school coaches. Um some there was a few college coaches who stayed around to talk as well. Just kind of who are just now getting into into the technology and they just want to know like, hey, what do you look at? What do you think is important? Um, how are you guys implementing it? Questions like that. Is that is that where this is going? Is it is it filtering down to the high school level, or, or maybe it already has? Absolutely, absolutely. I know, um, kind of with me raving about it as much as I have. Um, my dad and Charlotte Christian they've hopped on the blast train as well. And uh, Gary Russo, he was out here. He stopped over at Charlotte Christian. He stopped over at a few other um, high schools and academies as well. And they're all going that way. Um, you're going to start seeing academies and their prices. You're going to start seeing it include a blast sensor. And when you join the academy, that sensor is yours. Um, you're going to start seeing players at high school level as well. They're going to start using blast sensors in practice. And I think you're going to see it eventually. You're going to see it in college where you can maybe use it in a game. Yeah, we talked to some of our pro guys with the Orioles. And um, mm-hmm. they said last year was the first time that their, every hitter in their organization was, was using a blast motion uh, sensor yep. uh, for yep. the first time. Yep. Um, it actually helped TJ keep his hands on keep the bat in his hands uh, instead of slinging into the stands but uh yeah he, he credited blast for for reducing his bat tosses anyone knows anyone that knows tj knows that's important that he keeps the bat in his hand because he's had some crazy bat throws in the past i've seen i've witnessed them <laughs> but yeah like you said the orioles uh they're implementing all this into their into their uh, player development uh, in, in a major league level yep. um yeah it's it's uh we're kind of on the front end it sounds like and uh uh, uh, college baseball is a great place for player development um, with, with all this new technology. Yeah, no question about that. And you're going to see, you're going to start seeing every MLB team have have the blast sensors on in their in the minor leagues and what the players are trying to develop. You're going to start seeing it more and more. It's not going to go away. Um, it's the direction the game's going, um, and it's only going to keep getting. It's only going to keep getting immersed in the technology. And the reason is because it works. Um, it's an easier way to teach. Um, I like to kind of view technology as a way, as a teaching tool or as a way to teach, not a tool to teach. So when I say that, we used, I like to use technology to help teach what we're already trying to teach, right? Um, we don't teach each guy they have to swing at a certain launch angle or that their spin, their spin on their fastball has to be this. You're not doing right by the kid, in my opinion, if you do that. But we want it. What we want to do is we want to create targets for those guys. So um, another thing that we do is we create hitter profiles and, and profiles for all of our guys. So each of our guys have a target for certain metrics that they need to be in. So um, if we had, if we had, we'll say uh, one of our players will say his his target launch angle is between a five and ten degrees. You know, we want that guy. He's probably a faster guy who wanted to hit hard line drives. And we may have some guys that have a little bit more bat speed and a little bit more pop in their bat. We want them to be between 10 and 15. <laughs> um, but never, we're not really going to look at it and go, hey, you have to swing at a 15 all the time. And if you swing like this, you're going to get a 15. So you give ranges. And again, pitch location, all kinds of different things determine your range, the range that you're going to hit a certain pitch at. You guys have uh, you've, you've talked about P three a little bit here. Um, got some exciting things coming up this summer with with P three. You guys want to go into that a little bit with with uh, the listeners? Sure. Um, you know, on the pitching side, I just I can't rave enough about rave enough about our partnership with our partnership uh, with pitching um, 
or P3 out of St. Louis. And, you know, basically what they do is they, they, they came in in August, August, our first day together as a team and assessed our whole pitch, all our pitching staff for three days, built individualized programs for eight weeks. We carried out those programs. Our guys competed in the fall, post fall, they came back, they reassessed to, to try and see if they had, you know, how much, how much stronger they were, how much more flexible, how much more mobile, where they're, you know, are, are they, have they increased or decreased range of motion, you know, their velocity, their spin, the movement on their pitches, um, all these things, you know, were reassessed at post fall. And then they, they reprogram training for eight more weeks, you know, through our strength and conditioning staff. And then our guys, our guys continue to train and train and train and, um, you know, uh, compete in, the preseason and then they came back they came back in february right before our season started and the thing i loved about that is that you know then you really get another look at you know how much better our guys have gotten right before opening day so it builds some confidence or if i'm some you know maybe some uh, um you know some at-risk areas for them that if, if we don't address it quickly once we get into the first couple of weeks of the season you know our guys health could be at risk so we can rechange or reprogram them there and then you know, all season, um, obviously ours was cut short March 12th, but, um, you know, the plan all along was for our pitching staff, um, for pretty much every pitcher that wasn't going to the Cape Cod league, which was a couple of guys up until it was canceled a few days ago. But the plan for those guys, for our pitching staff was as many as possible and, uh, of our returners and our incoming pitchers being our junior college recruits and our high school recruits, as many as possible, we want to go train in St. Louis. And they have a college program set up for pitchers around the country. Most most schools send like one, two, or three pitchers. Um, but our goal at Charlotte is to be on the forefront. And we think that the direction of player development is shifting from playing in, you know, no offense, but just, you know, really small town, um, you know, maybe it's, fairly competitive competition with, you know, living with host families or living in environments where you're not going to have, you know, the, the opportunity to eat, you know, really good food, um, have resources to really good training facilities. Um, and you're going to be on some long bus rides over the course of the whole summer. So all those things pile up to where, you know, players will show up in the fall for me as a pitching coach and kind of my, my area, they, they show up tired, they show up weak, they show up burned out. Um, or, you know, you have to shut them down from throwing so you don't get to work with them in the fall. So there's a lot of things that I think kind of point towards um, trying to train in the summer for pitchers. So unless they're competing in the Cape Cod summer league, which to me is the best of the best and a once in a lifetime opportunity, which I would never want to, you know, get, keep a player from experiencing um, some of my best memories for playing in that league and coaching in that league. But, um, you know, so that all being said, you know, originally we, before our seniors were able to come back for senior relief and COVID hit, we probably were going to have about 10 or so incoming and returning players total going up to St. Louis uh, to train. But as soon as our, you know, as soon as COVID hit and, now you have seniors coming back. So, you know, that's, that's three pitchers right there for us that are going to get another year of eligibility. Um, they want to go train. So they, they, they love the, the experience they've had so far with P3. So 
So they want to go train. And then you have multiple summer leagues that are being canceled. So if there was a couple of guys that were going to go pitch, you know, they need, they need, you know, somewhere to go compete. Um, so now they're going. And then um, you just have, and then you've got, you know, parents who just want to now get their kids out of the house because they've been quarantined for six weeks and they're just, you know, they're saying, Hey, go train with your buddies and P3. So now we have, you know, we have 18 confirmed pitchers uh, going up to St. Louis. We've got our eight returning pitchers. Uh, they're all living in an Airbnb uh, just about 20 minutes from the facility. And then we've got uh, 12 incoming pitchers, including high school and junior college pitchers from throughout the country that they're going to be staying in uh, dorms next to P3. So we're going to have about 18 to 20 49er pitchers all training up there. And um, we've got a couple of guys rehabbing as well um, up there as well. So they're going to get really first class uh, training and treatment while there. So, um, and it's going to be Monday, Monday through Friday. And then, you know, with these conditions, uh, Missouri, the state of Missouri is, from everything I've read and, and speaking with the guys at P3, it's in, it's in a, you know, a fairly good state relatively in terms of COVID. Um, there's certainly going to be guidelines that they're going to follow to be as safe as possible in terms of training in small numbers. Um, but this is an exciting, this is an exciting time for uh, our program and our pitching staff, because I truly believe that we are going to be at the, you know, while most college programs are going to have, uh, you know, two, three, four pitchers training, we're going to have 20 and our entire pitching staff's going to roll in after two or three months of training um, in St. Louis. And while they train, there is, they have a, they have a summer league that they are going to be able to pitch in when that is a go. And they're going to be able to pitch one or two times a week um, while around their training, around their training schedule. So they will be facing live hitters and, and getting some of the innings back that they lost from this season. And they should be primed and ready um, five to eight pounds heavier, more mobile, stronger, and have a better understanding of, you know, their pitches and what they're trying to do when they roll in here in August. And as, as you know, as a pitching coach, that excites me because um, it's going to be an extremely competitive fall for our program. And, I'm excited too for the chemistry. I, I, I you know, you, I, I've never, this is my 10th year coach in college and I've never had a pitching staff that's going to be training together for two or three months. And then we get in that opening team meeting in the fall and it's like, there's not new faces. They're, they're tight already. So, you know, or they're ready to outcompete each other and talk some smack, whatever, which, whichever one it is, but all, all that right. is good. Co- coach, a co- couple things here, a couple things here What's on, on that. Eight of our returning guys. In an Airbnb, yep, in St. Louis. That's right. That, that sounds like an episode of this show. Looking for a place to happen. Yeah, I would. Uh, that's probably going to be our highest rated show. Would- <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, that just there, there's going to be there's going to be stories come out of that. Yep. Yep, uh, that's going to be a really close group. They're already close. They're going to be a really close group. But other than that, eighteen guys. Yep, eighteen guys eight at P three working yeah, on basically our whole pitching staff. Yep, 
working on individualized, professionally prepared development plans yep. at P3. That's the facility, fantastic. The facility is, is second to none. It's huge, state-of-the-art. Um, you know, you, you've got world-class strength trainers. Austin Miney, their pitching director, he's brilliant. He's going to be in a big league dugout one day. You, you can't, you really can't ask for much more. Uh, you know, if, if the guys aren't going to be here with our staff every day, I mean, they are, you know, some guys, some guys are going to go up for two months. Some guys are going up for three. Um, they're going to have weekends off. So they're going to be able to travel back and see family and friends and stuff on weekends. So it's not like they're just, you know, they're up there straight through. Um, it, it's, we're pretty fortunate. I, I'm, I think it's, I think that's the future of, uh, of college baseball training. Um, and I hate to say it cause I, you know, I, I really don't want to slight, you know, college summer teams because, you know, I know there is value and I know that there's a lot of, you know, great, great teams and, and leagues out there, but, you know, I can only go off of how, what I've seen our play from our players over the years in terms of how they come back and how they feel and look in August. And they're usually pretty worn down and pretty, you know, you, you, you shut them down just half the reason, just because they're so dang tired from bus rides and pitching too much and not lifting enough. Well, this, that's, I mean, what you're talking, and, and we should, we would be, uh, we should make sure that we, uh, we recognize the, the 49er connection there with, with P3, uh, with, with 49er Joe Lopez, uh, yeah, big part, awesome. a big part of that operation. Coach Robinson's roommate in college. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Joe and Joe and B Rob were, were roommates in college and Joe is one of the, Joe's one of the, one of the owners of P3. And I'll be honest, like it was, it was like the stars aligned because I followed P3 when I was pitching coach in North Carolina and I hadn't even met Joe yet. And Mike Hill told me that there was, you know, really a great guy in support of the program who's got a baseball facility in St. Louis. And I was like, you know what, you wouldn't be talking about P3, would you? And Mike's, Mike said, I have no idea. I don't know anything about baseball training. But uh, sure enough, it was. And and that was – I only knew P3 because pretty much every junior college pitcher that I thought was good, I asked him where he trained, and they kept saying P3, P3. And I was like, all right, well, I guess I better follow these guys because every pitcher that I go fly up to Missouri or Illinois to see pitch who's really good – they all train at this place. So, so, so P3 has been, they've, they've made two assessments at, at, at Charlotte now. Three. Can you give us a couple examples of guys? Who, three, three, three. Yep. Mm-hmm. Can you give us an example of a couple of guys yeah. that have yeah. seen make big jumps from, from session one assessment one to, to the assessment three. Christian Lothus. I mean, Christian Lothus, he's put on, he's put on maybe 20 pounds like 20, 25 pounds. And I think his fastest heater in the fall was 93, but pretty much sat 89 to 91. And I know Niner fans only got to see like two and a third innings before he strained a lot, but he was touching 96 in the preseason with us and sit. I mean, he wasn't throwing a fastball under 90 in the preseason. And I mean, his, he's, he's the one of the first ones that comes to mind, but really all of them. I mean, you know, you just, you get there in August and you have, you know, I have sit downs with every pitcher and they describe to me how they feel and, 
how they're recovering each and every day. And I mean, the recovery piece and how they're feeling every, every one of them feels better after throwing, you know, max exert, max exertion, whether it's one, two, three, four, five, whatever innings, they're all recovering better and holding their velo better. So, I mean, there, there's, there hasn't been a guy that I, that I felt like, I think there's some guys that would like to kind of mix in a little bit more, uh, traditional heavier lifting, which that's something that we're, we're trying to adapt to. Um, because some of the guys get prescribed more mo- mobility based lifts. Um, and, and some of them like heavier lifts. So anyways, you know, we're, we're, but really every guy, I mean, Bryce McGowan, Christian Lothis, Ryan Chanskowski, um, even Colby Bruce. Um, I mean, there's not, there's really not a guy in my opinion that I feel like stayed the same or took a step back. Kevin, what I'm, what I'm hearing here is having, having Joe Lopez on the show to talk about P3 was already a good idea. It was already a phenomenal idea, but now that I didn't realize he was Bo's roommate. Now it's like a, it's like it got even better idea because he's got the real Bo stories. We've been asking, we've been asking these players for Bo stories. Joe Lopez has the Bo Robinson stories. He has to, right? I'm sure he does. Yep. I don't know if Bo's going to want, want that out out there, but uh, I heard, I heard Bo. It'll it'll be entertaining. I I heard heard Bo is asleep by nine 30. That's what I've heard. Hmm. So you get 100 RBIs. Got to get your beauty sleep when you're getting 100 RBI seasons, right? Up, up at 5 a.m. 100 RBI will wear you out. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yes, it will. Man. It's a rest. Um, well, we're looking forward to uh, just seeing the guys in the fall, uh, see how much progress they've made um, after having a summer up there in St. Louis at P3. Um, exciting to hear about all the player development uh, going on. Uh, you know, Hopefully the plants will will take care of themselves this summer with all the, the the coronavirus stuff going on, and hopefully things will open up and get a little bit back to normal um, soon. Do you um? Right, go ahead. Well, I, I was just going to ask for the flip side of that. We, we talked about the with. I mean, it, it sounds really clear what the uh, what the the pitching staff is going to do, but from the um, from the player standpoint, from the position player standpoint, um, and, and nobody knows. I know the Cape has canceled and, and another mm-hmm. other league have canceled. But, like, for example, the CPL said this week they're still, they're still looking to try to go July 1st. The SCBL here locally says yeah. they're uh, July 1st. So do we uh, – I, I guess we're still going to ch- maybe hold out hope that we can put some guys um, in, yeah. in some of the leagues that way? Yeah, I mean, quite a bit of our position players are spread out in the CPL and the SCBL. I think we've got a few guys going to SCBL, but for the most part, we have a lot. We have a good majority of guys going to the CPL, so we're still holding out hope that that's gonna that's gonna go forward and it's gonna be normal, and our guys are gonna be able to play um, some summer baseball this 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 summer. If they if 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 big if if those seasons are able to kick off July first, I mean. I mean, realistically, what are we talking about? About maybe six weeks, six weeks of baseball. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't. Even even if they're able to start on their start date, I don't think you're going to see them start right off playing games. You're going to still have some time, mm. guys getting into yeah, it. Point. I mean, 
I mean, there's a lot of pitchers, and depending on their availability, not not everyone has the um, fortunate uh, to have a have a mound in their backyard or or a place to train. So, depending on what guys have available to them right now, is going to depend on their time getting ready to play summer ball. So, I think I think realistically, maybe maybe a week after the day that they say they can start practices, maybe you'll start seeing some games, but. I am holding out hope that there's going to be some baseball this summer for for our guys. Yeah, we're, we're I mean we're always interested in the guys playing summer ball, but ball, man, man, this summer, oh gosh, yeah. if, if if it would if it would happen, man, <laughs> yeah, it would be awesome. It would be absolutely awesome. Yeah, we're we're real real desperate to see some see some summer ball. So hopefully that'll happen. I mean. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Um, but if with them with them waiting or saying they're still targeting July first, I think that's a good thing. Um, and I know Coach Woody touched on this. The, the Cape being canceled is just is just terrible because that's that's got such a great reputation. Um, mm-hmm. But maybe maybe just maybe the the CPL and the SCBL will find a way to to squeeze some games in or something. That would be that would be fantastic. That'd be great. I'm back. I'm back, guys. Sorry, I lost you. Oh, I, I didn't. I didn't tell him that you you dropped off, and Tyler jumped right in. So nobody nice. even knew you were gone, Coach. Three, going back three, to player development stuff. Go ahead, Coach. I was just saying three zooms today. You think I would plug my phone in to charge it at some point? <laughs> <laughs> but go, you go ahead. About the position players, but you talk about the position players and going back to a player development standpoint. It's it's very important if those guys can play this summer. We're still we're still holding out hope that our position players will be able to play in some capacity. Yeah, it, it, and I tell you, I mean, realistically, I mean, maybe not the Cape League, uh, but for for a lot of these leagues, you you know, you hope for their stability going forward because they they need to play to keep those leagues functioning yeah. and healthy and and going forward. Um, sure. You would you would hate to see. Um, oh gosh, I mean, you know, who knows what what all could happen? You would hate to see teams have to have to pack it in or fold or anything like that so and and yeah. they they need games they they don't they don't play on tv they sell hot dogs <laughs> you know that's what they need to be doing so, so tyler uh back to, to your position your position is uh director of player development you've got several you're involved with several aspects of the program uh we've even heard that you uh, actually designed the uh, grand slam club hat that, that nick is wearing is that is that true uh, yeah, technically, but I had a lot of inspiration from the staff. So, um, and obviously, when football when football dropped their uh, their helmet, we were just kind of knew like, hey, we need we need to go that same route. So, um, I, I ultimately pulled put the order in, but there was a lot of inspiration from our staff, and then um, staying on the same thought process that football was already on. It's very it's a nice. I looking can't wait to see what you get me next year. Well. <laughs> <laughs> like, Go through go through some of your day to day responsibilities that 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 you have as, as director of player development for for the Niners. Okay, so um, we'll talk about we'll talk about a Monday in season. Um, that's going to be the easiest and kind of the most um, easiest one and no, most normal to talk about. But um, every Monday when I get in the office, the first thing I grab is the iPad and the uh, Blast Motion, the uh, the sensors. Um, I'll sit in the office, drink a cup of coffee, and I'll let those sensors upload. 
Um, as soon as those sensors upload onto the website, I'll send Doc B a text or an email, and I'll let him know those are um, those are all uploaded. All their swings are up to date. And when I, when I send him that, he'll start on um, graphs uh, for each of our guy about what their weekend metrics were during BP. Um, and we were just starting this when the season when the season unfortunately got halted. We were just starting to put together kind of um, day-to-day routines for our guys. Uh, we noticed some of the metrics. Some of our guys were better on Friday, Saturday, but their swing, their BP swings weren't quite as good on Saturday or on a Sunday, excuse me. So we were just going to start kind of customizing rounds per guys. Like, hey, you know, you don't need as many rounds on Sunday. Your your swing starts to – it gets away from you after this many swings. Um, so we were just about to start playing with that. Um, after I'm done with that, I'll go and check my emails, um, and I'll start getting ready for our Tuesday game, whether, whether we're home or away. Um, coach Woodard and I will meet in the morning. We usually, before noon, we would meet and we would go over the travel itinerary for, um, for Tuesday's game. If we're on the road, I'm making sure we have the bus driver, uh, Donna Bialowski. She's, goodness gracious, she's a savior. Um, she's our administrative assistant. She is an outstanding human, an outstanding woman. And you guys, um, if you were at the um, if you were at the uh, the dinner, Coach Woodard recognized her. Um, she retired after this year, so I tell her all the time we're going to be lost without her. But um, I would get with her, make sure our bus driver set up. Um, Coach Woodard and I would go through the itinerary, where we're going to eat, um, how long it takes to get to where we're going. Um, Dad, I'd start reaching out to restaurants. Um, but we would stop on the way up to wherever we were going. So if we're playing at Greensboro, we stopped in Outback. I'd call the Outback. They'd give us they'd give us a section of the restaurant. We'd eat, get back on the bus, go play. And then I would also coordinate a post game meal as well. Usually that's something on the bus, whether it's a whether it's a Chick-fil-A, a Chick-fil-A box or um, a sub on the bus afterwards, we'd coordinate that as well. Um then you're also on top of that. I'm watching game film. I'm watching video of whoever we're going to play. Um, Coach Stott, Coach Woodard, they they kind of oversee all the scouting reports. Coach Woody watches all of their all of their hitters, and Coach Stott puts together um, their arms. But um, as a staff, we're all watching um, synergy video of whoever we're about to play. Um, so I'm watching that. Get making sure ever make sure our ducks in the row are all of our ducks are in a row for. Um, especially if we're playing on the road, there's a lot more work when we play on the road. Um, just getting everything ready, making sure the bus is here, making sure the restaurant's ready for us, making sure we arrive on time. Um, and then when the game starts, you know, I'm in the dugout with the guys and, um, kind of there's just kind of the bench coach or coach Woodard. I'm filling out the, um, the lineup card, making sure everyone knows where they're going, if there's a change when they're going into play. Um, so it's, it's something new every day. It's definitely never a dull moment in the office. And I think it's something that I like uh, every day, every day I come in the office, there's new challenges. You're never going to, you're never going to repeat the same day over and over, uh, which is, which is a lot of fun. And then on, on a Wednesday, just a normal practice day, you know, it's a little bit more relaxed from my standpoint. There's not quite as much as ad, administrative work. Um, now for coming off a weekend series on Monday too, if we're especially on the road, I'm also reconciling receipts, just making sure that, Everything is on top of everything. I'm bugging Coach Woodard for his signature to sign receipts and everything. So um, there's a lot of moving parts, but um, it's a lot of fun. I wouldn't trade it for anything.
Coach, are you hard to are you hard to track down for signatures? Ask Coach Simmons. No, no. Usually, just throw it on his desk and he signs it. Um, <laughs> usually, usually I have like five or five or a hundred things from the sign, depending on the day or if we're on the road. So he's got he's signing vouchers. He's approving this. He's approving that. So he's gotten pretty good at multitasking. I think he's. I think one time he was answering an email on the phone and signing a receipt at the same time. So it was impressive. The. Uh... I'm in the market for a stamp. If anybody knows a good uh, signature stamp, uh, or we've also tried to have, uh, we've, we've had uh, signature sessions in the office where everybody practices my signature and we still haven't gotten there yet. So one day. So, so y'all, you're getting together and, and practicing forgery. No, 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 no. I take that. I take that back. Darren, Darren, Darren. Darren is going to be looking at every piece of paper now. <laughs> <laughs> I can just see him in his office holding it up to a light. Miss <laughs> Donna's retired. That was her idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Oh, uh, so, so Tyler, if, if the guys don't like what they have to eat, they, they can come to you. Yeah. Yeah. But usually <laughs> I've been, I've been in those shoes as you guys can tell. I'm not the, uh, I'm not the skinniest guy around, so I like to eat. So I definitely make sure what we have on the bus is something I'm going to like and make sure that we have enough. And um, I'll usually, I'll usually ask a lot of the seniors kind of a little, few days before we go, like, Hey, what do you guys want? Um, Chick-fil-A is always, Chick-fil-A is always a, uh, is popular in demand. Um, subs sometimes and then um anything warm the guys want after a game anything warm if you want to see coach coach simmons is a pretty positive uh even keeled dude if you want to see coach simmons get fired up see a see a post-game meal show up late or see see todd elwood's gluten-free meal not be gluten-free and coach simmons will get fired up yeah, that upsets me. <laughs> I've had to I've had to talk him down a time or two already. Yeah, so we 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 won't name any any restaurants or anything that left them up, but we had did I did have we had my I had my fair share of bumps on the road when it came to post game meals this year. Coach, I feel you there. My my wife is is gluten free. Yeah, like Todd is, and and you know when when that stuff's not right, man, that's yeah. stuff's not I right. I felt terrible. I felt terrible. So yeah. We we made sure we got it right for Todd. We stopped we stopped along the road at Chick Fil A. I brought him inside, and we made sure he got squared away. Yeah, this stuff. I mean, this stuff's important. And as you, I mean, the thing that you know, I mean, Tyler's not gonna he's not gonna pump himself up, but just the the attention to detail that he brings on a daily basis to the player development. But it's player development slash ops, as you guys can hear. Um, it is it's a game changer for us and our players. Our players know it. They they they're extremely fortunate. We're extremely fortunate to, you know, to have Tyler doing what he does. Um, and it's been cool to see the it's been cool to see the evolution, um, in terms of going from going from, you know, green to to again being a lead speaker at the ABCA convention um, on some of this stuff. It, it's it's been pretty cool. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I feel like I'm going to have to fight to keep, keep coach Simmons on our staff each and every summer, but that's okay. Well, you know, 
Tyler, it sounds like really, you know, between the development piece and and the ops and, and taking care of the guys, it sounds like you're really uh, not that everybody else is not. But I mean, it sounds like you're really the, the player's advocate here. Definitely, definitely. You know, I every everything from whether it's we're putting the blast sensors on and where it's a post game meal, I try to get their input on. Again, I've been in their shoes not too long ago. I know um a cold sub up the road up the road doesn't doesn't hit like a, a nice steak and outback so um <laughs> definitely definitely and, and again it, it is ops but it also goes into player development making sure that their nutrition making sure they're putting the right things in their body we're not just stopping to get a cold sub with with a bag of chips they're actually getting a good hearty steak with vegetables on the side so it does fall into ops, but at the same time, it falls into uh, player development as well. And um, it's just—it's kind of something. Again, I just dove—I dove head first, head first into. It. It's like, hey, we're going to take it on. If we're going to eat, we're going to eat the right way. As long as we're under budget, not trying to—not trying to blow it out in the water. So, if we're going <laughs> to eat, we're going to eat good. If we're going to—if we're going to put the blast sensors on, we're going to put them on all the time. Um, so it's just—it's just something we've, we've dove head first into. That's where our sponsor, the Grand Slam Club, comes in. We haven't we haven't plugged them in a while. <laughs> Join the Grand Slam Club. We haven't mentioned that. Um, we're we're gonna kind of start wrap you know winding it down here, uh, guys. But kind of two questions here. Uh, take this in two parts. We don't we have we have chronicled what all we lost with the season, with the season. as far as the games that we didn't get to play the camaraderie we didn't get to have, the tailgates we missed, everything, everything, everything. From a player development standpoint, you guys do data collection. We missed a lot of data. I mean, that's what we've been doing the last few weeks. From that perspective, we've, we've missed out on a lot of data. Yes and no. We were fortunate enough to when we got the when we got the tools in, we jumped on it. So a lot of our guys have around 500 swings already logged on Rapsodo. But yes, they we did lose out on an entire year of in season data. Um, we we kind of know um, the data on each of our guys, but again, we weren't able to track the, the developments they made over Christmas break coming into the season like we wanted to. So yes and no. Okay. Well, one thing, well, one thing okay. I'll just say one thing. I mean, the race ended for all of us on the same date, yeah. Yeah. you know, so it's, there's not another team out there that's running the race or if they were in front of us already, they're, they're, they're not lapping us. Right. If they were behind us. They're not catching up to us in our opinion. Um, at least we don't want them, you know, we're, our goal now is what can we do behind the scenes during this phase of life um, as a program, as a coaching staff on the player development side to, if there's a way for us to continue to run the race, you know, like let's do it. And, and then when we, they all say go and they restart the race of everybody, you know, how can we, hit the ground running and move as fast as we possibly can. I mean, that's the analogy I think as a coaching staff that we try to work off of each and every day through this. So, and, and this is, this is where we'll kind of, kind of leave it. Where is it going? 
what are we what are we doing next as far as this this whole this whole player development program goes? What are we what are we not doing that we're gonna do? Recruiting. Like the next the next wave is is having is you you're gonna recruit off the data, like more than you are more than we already are. I mean we're we're kids come to camps, we put blast motion sensors, we're using Rapsodo, um, you know, in our camps, but you know, five years from now, you're going to be pulling TrackMan data on every kid you recruit, Rapsoda data on every kid you recruit, Blast data on every kid you recruit, and you're gonna you're gonna have to heavily weigh those metrics before you make a decision of offering a player a scholarship. Oh, and then by the way, you're already gonna have a sense of his flaws and are these fixable flaws? You know, are these strengths like rare, unique strengths that you really need to pay attention to? Whether it's you know, a pitch type of movement or exit velocity off the bat, whatever it may be. But the, 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 the data revolution on the recruiting side for me is next. And is that, is that because there's going to be so many more people using these uh, from travel programs? Like Tyler said, a guy's going to get his own blast sensor and there, there's, yeah. And even at the high school level, maybe, you know, you'll have certain high school programs spending the money to put these, these, these programs in place. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're already starting to see it a little bit trickle in. Um, um, some of, some of the most elite tournaments that you go to to recruit, they've got, they've got data everywhere. Um, they've got, they've got track man data up in the towers that you can go up and see. You can see the spin rate of each guy. You can see how their ball's breaking. You can see the vertical axis. You can see everything you need to see while that kid's pitching. Um, we're already starting to see it from a recruiting standpoint. Um, when we get emails about kids that are interested in the program, they send they send their track man data, they send their hit tracks profile. Um, and in my opinion, with what we're going through right now and none of the coaches being able to be on the road, it's going to expedite that process. Um, I saw a tweet the other day that there's an organization putting on a virtual camp. Um, the, the kids are going to be hitting – with bat, uh, with blast sensors on their bats, and they're going to be hitting on Rapsodo units. So coaches can tune in, and they can they can email the coach who's putting it on, and they can get the metrics from those players who are at that camp. Even though we can't go out and recruit, but you can you can get those metrics on the kid, and you can kind of see what you need to see from a metric standpoint. Now, can't lay eyes on the kid yet, but you're going to be already you're already going to be able to see what his numbers are saying, which gives you a pretty good idea of what type of player that person is. Yeah. I mean, coach, coach Bicknell and coach Robinson, they went to the biggest, probably the biggest junior college recruiting event of the fall last fall. And coach Bicknell was one of the only coaches that went up. In, so there's four fields like a clover and there's a tower in the middle and, and each, each in the tower, you know, facing each clover or each baseball field in the tower, there's a computer that's that's flashing the trackman data and the metrics and coach Bicknell was one of the only coaches that went up in the tower for two straight two or three straight days and half of the arms that we were, that we committed over the course of the fall was were, were based off of what he saw with his eyes from the tower and the metrics that he looked at on the computer and he synced them together because you're you we only got he only had a short look right like you're seeing a kid pitch one weekend up in um indiana you know i mean that's 
got to make a call on some of those kids sometimes. So the metrics, you, you sink what you see with your eyes with the metrics. Um, you know, and and he said he was aspect, one of the only only people or, or one of the only coaches to actually go up there. Yep. So there's there's probably 150 to 200 college coaches at this event, and I I would say Toby's probably one of 10 coaches that went up there. Wow. Everybody else everybody else is on the ground traditionally, like watching traditional from behind home plate or the side. You're watching one field. So Toby, I mean Toby can watch can literally could literally watch the computer could not like the metrics, not like the pitcher, move to the next computer, like the metrics, like the pitcher, make notes, move to the next field, like the metrics, like the pitcher, make notes. And wow. and then he could watch both games at the same time. I mean, that's how, that's, that's how we're trying, you know, I mean, and it's, it's not really a secret. There's other schools that do that type of stuff. Um, but that's the level sinking your, what you see with your eyes, with the metrics on the recruiting side is going to be big. I mean, we've got two Sony RX 100 cameras and those shoot at 990 or sorry, 960 frames per second. So if you, if you see any of the stuff on Twitter with the super high speed, slow-mo stuff, you know, we'll, you see a lot of major league scouts on the road using those. We'll be, you don't see a whole lot of college coaches. You, most college coaches use an iPhone. Um, but we've got two Sony RX 100s and the purpose is player development, our program, but also the purpose is for coach Bicknell and coach Robinson or any coaches on the road they want to film a hitter or they want to film a pitcher in 960 frames per second, we have the ability to do it. So, and again, this is not, this is not recruiting. This is an on-campus tryout, but would you say our, our recruiting starts to look a little more like, like you're uh, the way you were able to um, uh, assess Jackson boss when you saw him, you were looking at data on Jackson, right? You were looking at things like spin rate, um, because he was throwing in front of the cameras and he was throwing in front of the sensors. If you don't throw him, if he doesn't throw in front of the sensors, yeah, okay. But he throws in front of the sensors and you're like, eh, okay, I, I got something here. Yeah. I mean, Jackson was a 2250 spinning fastball, which is above average. And it had 81% spin efficiency, um, which means that, which is, you know, in the, and then you look, you combine them with the horizontal movement. It's an elite cutter. Like it's not, some people would watch him throw it in the, in the, the way it cut, you would try to like some there's coaches out there would try to correct that. And, but he's so consistent with it. I mean, there's a reason why Mariano Rivera threw one pitch in the big leagues for so long. When you can throw something that is above average or when you have a pitch like Colby Bruce's slider or uh, Jackson boss's cutter or Bryce McGowan's fastball, whatever you have an above average to elite pitch, you know, you're going to want to throw those pitches the most. Um, and you know, that was, that was very identifiable in Jackson boss's workout. So you're going to be, you're going to be doing the same, the same process. It's just going to be high schoolers mm -hmm. and junior college players. Yep. High, yeah. And junior college players. Wow. This is, I mean, and, and you're saying that's within the next five years, but some of it's already happening, obviously. Yeah. I mean, just, I say by five years, it's going to be so commonplace. You're going to see every college, every, every division one school is going to have a high speed camera at games recruiting. And you're going to have, you're going to have every major division one school um, tapping into high school and junior college player data. And you're, you're going to get to a point where, I mean, there's major league teams that don't feel comfortable drafting players if they don't have data now. 
I mean, that's how prevalent it is. It's the same as going to be for us. I mean, you're going to have a, you're going to have two pitchers. You're going to have one that's going to be, you're going to have two six foot two right handed pitchers. One you're going to have data on and you're going to like it. And one you're going to have not have data on, but you, you know, you like, you like him, but you don't have the info on him or track record. You're going to, you're going to sign that kid you have data on. Just confirm. It just helps you make better decisions. Kevin, it's a brave new world we live in, man. It's exciting. It's uh, when you dive into this, it's exciting stuff, and uh, I'm glad we're on the on somewhat on the front end of this stuff. Since it's uh, it's good to be on this end. We try. We still have a lot to figure out as a staff, right. but we're we're trying right. to push. Well, I'm excited. Is it <laughs> is it time for fall ball yet? <laughs> I'm ready to go. Only four months. When we when our season ended, it was five months. We're down to four. Wow, that seems like that was a lot longer ago. But time is kind of going by slowly these days. All right, guys. I think we're go- we're 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 about at our time limit here. We're going to start backing this out. Um, Tyler, Coach Woody, we appreciate y'all coming. Any any last words? Any last messages? I just I appreciate appreciate you guys uh, having me on. And I uh, know I, I tweeted out earlier, but today, especially today and every day, we're we're out strong. Yes, sir, we are. Coach Woody, last words for you. No, I echo I echo Tyler. Today today is about um, the individuals who's lost their lives and who were hurt and wounded physically and mentally a year ago today, and the families that have been affected. And just our our thoughts and prayers are with with everyone today. That's it's, it's, that, that is what today is about. So um, I'm thankful to be here at Charlotte and, and being a part of the family and um, move forward together with everyone. So appreciate the opportunity to come on today and speak as well. It, it's, you know, it's this time more than ever, we, we, we all need our baseball fix. So I, pre- I appreciate all you guys do and, you know, the, having, having us on this week. Better days ahead, boys, better days ahead. We'll get there. That's right. All right. We appreciate everybody for listening. Look for this wherever you get your podcast, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn, et cetera. Make sure to click the subscribe button. That way you'll get notified anytime we post new content. Also, check us out on social media. Diamond Niner fans is on Twitter, Facebook, and we even try to do Instagram occasionally. We're working on it. So, all right, guys, this has been another episode of Diamond Niners Weekly, a very special April 30th episode of Diamond Niners Weekly. Until next time, good night, everybody. Go Niners.